In today's episode, I talk with Ben Hall about the word gospel. In our churches, we love to use big words. We obfuscate our pedagogy through superfluous grandiloquence, manifesting hubris instead of demureness. See what I mean? Inconceivable. While I might have a speech impediment, I certainly do not want to have a preach impediment. These get in the way of God's message reaching our hearts and minds. Let's dig through those big words and learn something incredible. Before we get started in today's topic, let me remind you to go and check out EdenHollow.com. This is the company I started to start publishing some Bible study guides and spiritual books, but we're starting to branch out into some fiction and even talking to some other authors. We'd love to have you check out what's going on at EdenHollow.com. Now let's jump into today's episode. Today I'm talking with Ben Hall. He is a preacher of the gospel in the great city of New York. He lives in Brooklyn with his wife and kids, and although he lives there now, that's not really where he's spent most of his life. He grew up in North Alabama, and he has spent some time preaching in Atlanta, which means between New York and Atlanta and the country towns of Alabama, he's experienced people from just about all walks of life. He, as a Christian, spends much of his time working with people who don't yet know Jesus, talking with them about life and the Bible, and having a clear picture and definition of the gospel is instrumental to his success in sharing Jesus's message. And also, let me apologize before we begin for the lesser sound quality. Both Ben and I were displaced when we needed to do the recording for this episode, and so neither one of us were really in the ideal situation. You'll hear a couple of airplanes in the background, if you listen carefully, you'll hear a little bit of buzzing of a computer. Uh, I apologize for that, uh, but I hope that it doesn't distract you from the message that really is just, uh, it, it's an incredible and motivating message as we define the gospel. Let's jump right in. Well, today we are going to be discussing the word gospel, and uh, that is definitely one of those words we use in a religious setting. It is, you know, we, I can't, really can't think of any other setting that we use it in other than uh, maybe in the expression of, well, that's the gospel truth whenever we're talking about something that, that we're really standing mm -hmm. behind. Let's begin there. Give me a simplified definition of the idea of the gospel. Well, I mean, I think the the simplest simplest is just to use basically a two-word synonym for it, and that is that the gospel is just good news. That's all the word means. It, Like you said, it gets used in the Bible a lot. It's like the word church. It's probably like a, a number of other words that have come to have almost exclusively religious connotations, but it just means good news. It's an announcement of something that is positive for those who would hear. The way that the Bible typically uses the term gospel, would you say that it uses it more in a specialized setting or that a common word that is just used to describe something that's special? So I think this is, again, a parallel with, with the word church. Um, you know, the word church just means a group of people that are brought together for some purpose, some sort of socio-political purpose. But then Jesus started about talking about his church. And then in the writings in the New Testament, there's the church. So similarly, when it comes to the word gospel, the, the phrase that will come up is the gospel. Um, sometimes Paul will talk about my gospel, but it's synonymous with this. There's this one 
particular set of good news, this uh, announcement that's been made. You even see this in uh, Mark chapter 1 and verse 1, where it says the beginning of the gospel of Jesus Christ, the Son of God. And then again in verse 14 of Mark chapter 1. Now, after John had been taken into custody, Jesus came into Galilee preaching the gospel of God. So I do think that that's the interesting thing about this word, and that's why. And so it's probably actually good that we think of it in religious terms and think about it as this one special, unique thing, because it is. There's the gospel. I think the interesting thing about that is that whenever you read through the New Testament, the gospel, it would be kind of hard Uh, or it can be kind of hard to pin down exactly what the gospel is because the gospel gets described in a variety of ways that don't on the surface seem like they're uh, identical. And I mean, I won't won't turn to all these, but in Acts 20 and verse 24, Paul talks about the gospel of the grace of God. Galatians 3 and verse 8 talks about the gospel that was preached to Abraham way before Jesus ever came on the scene. Uh, And the gospel in that setting was there would be blessing for all nations. Ephesians 1 and verse 13 talks about the gospel of salvation. Ephesians 6 and verse 15 talks about the gospel of peace. Okay, so what is the gospel? Is it peace? Is it salvation? What's the good news? What is it exactly? And we haven't even hit on a couple of other important ideas. So I think that's an interesting thing about the gospel is it sometimes is, uh, in some ways it's much simpler than we think about. Okay, it's just good news. In other ways, it's more layered and a little more nuanced than uh, than might immediately seem to be the case. Of course, my brain is thinking of several different passages of Scripture that talk about the concept of the gospel. One of them that I always turn to is Matthew chapter 4. We talk about when Jesus, Mm -hmm. uh, this is verse 23, Jesus began to go all over Galilee, teaching in their synagogue, preaching the gospel of the kingdom, and healing every disease and sickness among the people. Uh, My uh, Christian standard Bible says good news of the kingdom. I know other versions say gospel of the kingdom. Yep. What is it that Jesus is preaching if he is preaching the gospel? So I think that's that's actually part of the interesting discussion is what exactly was he was he preaching? And it wasn't just him either. In Matthew 10, he instructs his his uh, 12 disciples that he sends out to go out and proclaim that the kingdom of God is at hand uh, or has come near. And so this is is actually really central. Um and I think actually this notion of preaching the kingdom is, is what continues to be really at the core of what the good news really is. The good news is uh, the kingdom of God. And so that's, um, that's maybe a notion that's a little fuzzy to us. So I think a simplified way of thinking about that is, is that God's taking control. We might say God is taking control again. Now, I know that sounds kind of messed up because um, at least if you're somebody who's reading the Bible or is, is familiar with church stuff, you're like, well, God's always in control. And that's true in, in the grandest, truest, most eternal sense. But the scriptures also make it clear that ever since Adam and Eve and then every other person after them decided to rebel against God, that there's actually a big problem on earth. Earth was made to be God's kingdom, that he was going to rule with and through mankind. Uh, he said in the very beginning, hey, Adam and Eve, you guys have dominion over all the earth. But then we said, "Uh, no thanks, God, we're actually going to listen to the serpent. And so you'll have passages like 2 Corinthians 4 and verse 4 that talks about the God of this world has blinded the eyes of those who are unbelievers. That's not talking about the God who is the father of Jesus. That's talking about Satan. 
Similarly, in 1 John chapter 5, and verse 19, it says, We know that the whole world lies under the sway of the evil one. Okay, so who is it that's really running the show? This kind of manifests whenever Jesus had a one-on-one with Satan in Matthew chapter 4, where Satan offers Jesus. He says, you can have all the kingdoms of the earth if you'll bow down to me. The implication, I run all the kingdoms of the earth. I'll give them to you if you bow down to me. And what's interesting is Jesus doesn't say, what are you talking about, dude? You do not have control over all the kingdoms of the earth. Jesus basically kind of acknowledges, actually, yeah, you do by his response. Now, Jesus' response is, I ain't bowing down to you. I'm doing it God's way. But here's the point. The, the good news is that all the bad things that have happened in the world and that are happening in the world, they're not going to continue on forever. Uh, all war, famine, injustice, evil, betrayal, lies, all the bad stuff that we see, that's a result of the fact that this world is ruled by the evil one. But the good news is that through Jesus Christ, God has brought about his kingdom rule. Jesus said this is what we're supposed to pray about. Pray your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So the good news is, hey, all the bad stuff that Satan brought about, Jesus came to flip all that stuff back in the way it was supposed to be in the first place. And all the peace and salvation and blessing and security and confidence and joy and all the good things that we all want and that God has to offer, they're coming true. They have already in some sense come true, and they're coming more and more true all the time through the rule of Jesus. This is why at the end of the Gospel of Matthew, in Matthew chapter 28, whenever Jesus sent his uh, disciples, his apostles out to proclaim the good news about him, he started with this line. He said, all authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go, therefore, and make disciples, uh, proclaiming the good news that, hey, Jesus the King has come. So if you come to him, if you submit to his rule, if you become a part of his kingdom, then all the good things that you want and that you've never been able to find, you'll be able to find them truly, fully in uh, the rule of God through Jesus Christ. This is why I started to run on. I'll just add one more thing to this. Um, You know, I was pointing out Mark chapter 1 a second ago where... um, Mark introduces this notion of the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And then he bookends that opening section in verses 14 and 15 with this um, mention of Jesus proclaiming the good news of the kingdom. But actually, Mark chapter 1, the first 15 verses, it's a a kingly passage. So in the ancient world, when a king would come, you would have a herald who would go before the king and announce, hey, there's a new king. Everybody get ready. He's showing up. We've got a new Caesar in town, for instance. Well, John the Baptist served that role for Jesus. He told people, hey, the king is coming. Um, you, of course, got to have a coronation ceremony, a pronouncement of who the king is on a public level. Jesus goes and is baptized by John, and the Spirit is poured out. Jesus is anointed, what they would do with kings. Um, and Jesus is announced as the Son of God, which is a really amazing phrase because it doesn't just mean biblically that uh, Jesus belongs in heaven and he's, he, you know, God is his Father. It does mean that. But in the Old Testament, the prophecies were made in 2 Samuel 7 and Psalm 2 and various other places that the king of God's kingdom who would set all things right, he wouldn't just be an ordinary person. He would be God's son. And so for Jesus to be called the son of God doesn't just mean he's from heaven. It does mean that. But it also, and more significantly, I think, means he's the king who's going to put everything right. He's the one who's establishing God's kingdom. And actually, this was even true for uh, Romans of the time because whenever they had pieces of money that commemorated their Caesars, it would say, Caesar whoever, a son of the gods. 
And so for Mark to say, this is the good news about Jesus Christ, the Son of God, it's a statement of, hey, there's a new Caesar in town, a better Caesar, a Caesar whose father actually is God who created all things, and he's bringing God's kingdom into this world that's been wrecked by the kingdom of Satan. So it's really exciting stuff. And that's the good news. That's why it's so great is because God's putting things right under his kingdom rule. If you were to ask me at many points, hey, what is the gospel? And I think I probably just wasn't paying close enough attention to what people were teaching me and telling me what the scripture was saying. But I think I would have given one of two answers. One would be from 1 Corinthians 15. 1 Corinthians 15, Paul says, I would remind you, brethren, of the gospel which I preached to you beforehand, which also you believed, in which you now stand. Well, what is that gospel, Paul? Okay, the gospel is that Jesus died, implication. He also lived. Mm-hmm. He, he came and he was a man, and he died on the cross according to the scriptures for our sins. He was buried. He really died. It wasn't a joke. It wasn't pretend. Uh, and he was raised up. And, of course, the follow-up to that resurrection is he ascended to the throne in heaven. But, in other words, the story of Jesus, the things that Jesus did and the things that uh, happened in his life, that's the gospel, and it is. Uh, because those things that happen are what brought about God's kingdom rule. The resurrection of Jesus Christ, his, you know, his, his death, all these things are part of him becoming the king, him taking that kingdom rule um, on earth and in heaven. So all of that stuff is what, uh, I guess we could say, the, uh, it's, it's the script that led to this result of the kingdom. But that's not the full gospel. If I just say, well, these things happen in Jesus' life, Okay, why is that good news? Well, it's good news because that's what brought about the kingdom of God. The other answer I might would often have given uh, besides this, this kingdom notion that we're talking about, it, what's the good news? Well, the good news is those verses I listed off earlier. You have peace. You have the grace of God. You'll be saved from your sins. Well, is that good news? Yeah, you bet. Like, if, if Who cares if Jesus is king if, I'm, if I don't have access to that, if the gospel is not for people of all nations, including me, to have it? But here's the thing. Salvation and peace and blessing and all that kind of stuff is only possible if Jesus really is in control. If Satan is still ruling the kingdoms of men, then we're toast. It's over. He's captured us and we're dead in our sins. But because Jesus has done the things that he did, 1 Corinthians 15, the story happened, and therefore he's become the king of kings and lord of lords and established the kingdom. Now the result of that is that all who bow our knee before King Jesus, all of us who trust in him, all of us who give ourselves over to his kingdom rule, we have blessing, salvation, peace, the grace of God, which is accessed through the kingly rule of Jesus. So I think those two answers, what happened to Jesus, 1 Corinthians 15, that's good news, or what Jesus did, I guess we should say, that's good news, 1 Corinthians 15. Um, And the, the results for us, grace and salvation and peace and forgiveness and all those things, that's good news. But those two things, the the connector between them is uh, the kingdom rule of Jesus. And that's the essence, therefore, of the real good news is that Jesus is king. What you're saying makes me think of the Sermon on the Mount. You know, here we quoted earlier, Matthew chapter 4, verse 23, that he went around proclaiming the gospel or the good news of the kingdom. It goes almost immediately into chapters 5, 6, and 7, which is the Sermon on the Mount, which was all about changing who you are to match something different than what you always understood. Uh, This new kingdom, this kingdom that he was bringing, the good news he was preaching, required them to change the way they thought and the way they lived 
in order to match what he was doing. We don't always think about it as kings, but if you go to a financial advisor and they tell you, hey, good news, I'm wise enough, I'm powerful enough, I'm savvy enough to help you, whatever, overcome your debt or invest for your future. We obey them if we trust them. If we go to a doctor and a doctor notifies about something wrong with us, and but then he says, hey, but there's good news. Here's a treatment program. Here's some regiments that you can go through, and it'll, it'll change things if you'll trust me and do what I tell you. Now, obviously, with these individuals, they're somewhat limited, but actually with them, we trust them pretty well if we're smart. And we say, okay, yeah, I'll do the stuff that you tell me to do because I believe in the good news that you're telling me. And yet somehow we just get really dumb when it comes to Jesus. And he says, hey, I'm literally king of heaven and earth. I'm king over death. I'm, I'm the wisest, most powerful, most loving, most compassionate being that exists. Let me be your king. I've come and I've given myself to you. I've opened myself up to you on the cross. I've stayed with you. I've been one of you. Now come to me and bow down. And then we say, oh, thanks, Jesus. Actually, I just appreciate you to kind of give me occasional counsel and I'll take it under advisement. No, we don't take it under advisement. The good news is that Jesus is king. And we've got to bow down to that, submit to that, entrust ourselves fully to his rule. And like you said, respond appropriately. Live the Sermon on the Mount. Live out the instructions of, of what the gospel demands. And then the good news will be good news for us. The good news is good news, whether we accept it or not. There is good news that Jesus is king. Satan is not king anymore. Jesus lived, died, rose, and is on the throne. That's good news. Now the question is, is that going to become good news for me? Am I going to give myself over in obedience to Jesus the King? If, if we just simplify this thing down to the gospel is good news, and here we've got this good news that we've, we've been given. You know, you've made a mess out of your life. If you'll let God, or Jesus, who is the expert on how to live life well, because he lived life perfectly. He knows how to do this. He knows how to succeed. He has gone before us. If you'll just follow him, do things his way, uh, you, you can have as successful as a life as he does. You can have the same destiny he has, you know, an, an, an eternity in heaven. You know, here, here's our good news. Why is it that we struggle with that? For one, I think we get disappointed so much with uh, the bigger the promises and the better the good news, the more challenging it is to believe it and to really accept it. Probably another issue, though, is uh, since the good news in its essence is Jesus is the king. We know what that means. We know the demands of a king and somebody ruling over us. And it's a frightening thing to let somebody take over. I mean, some of us don't even like letting somebody else drive whenever we're in the car. This person has a license. They've been driving. They have an accident. We don't like it because we like to still have control. I mean, particularly for those of us who live in, in our country, our, our whole deal, I mean, we got started on the notion of we don't like kings. We want to run our own life and get our own make our own good news, make our own way. But that's not a uniquely American problem. As I said earlier, this is the problem from the very beginning. So learning to trust, and this is where I do think it's so important to remember that the gospel starts with who Jesus was and what Jesus did, that he lived and he died, he rose again. When Jesus was going about proclaiming the kingdom as he did it, and, and you refer, refer to Matthew a couple of times, and Matthew is great about this because Matthew will have these teaching sections where the king explains his kingdom or provides the demands for his kingdom. And that phrase of the gospel of the kingdom pops up a couple of times. But in between those preaching sections, there will be these great stories that are collected to convince us, to prove to us that the king is trustworthy. And I guess that's it at the end of the day. Do we trust him? And I think this is why it's so vital. And if somebody's listening to this and they don't really trust in Jesus, they haven't given their life over. Or maybe you sit there and you're like, well, I go to church, but I honestly don't think of Jesus as my king as much as I ought. 
I just find it for myself and I think for others, going back to the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, time and again, to see the goodness of Jesus, to see the power and the wisdom of Jesus, to see the compassion of Jesus, to see the the otherworldliness of Jesus, and that his reign and rule is completely different. And of course, that culminates in the cross. That's the way that Jesus shows to us and proves to us that he's completely worthy of our trust. We've been disappointed, betrayed, frustrated, let down by so many people that we've trusted in our lives. Jesus is saying, don't just trust me with a little bit of your life. He says, give me your whole self. And we say, oh, no, 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 I can't do that. That would be way too risky. So I think that's ultimately it, is learning to trust. And I think that's why we gotta keep going back to who Jesus is and what he did in his um, becoming king. And that's what'll lead us to really trust him and, and obey the gospel. Thank you so much for listening to Preach Impediments today. What an incredible hope this gospel gives us. The gospel is an incredible message. It's a proclamation. It's the story of Jesus, and it's the truth of how that story changes you. I hope if you have not come to terms with the incredible message of the gospel that you will, that you will come to that message and you will let Jesus be your Lord. And I hope that you draw hope from this message. If this podcast episode has helped you, I certainly hope you will share it with others. You can do so so easily on social media. Send it out by email to others. There's just a hundred different ways you can share this message with other people. And I hope that you will because this message of the gospel really is the message that everybody needs to hear. Let us know what you thought of the episode on Facebook with our page for Preach Impediments. Tune back in Thursday and we will have another session on this concept of the gospel that I hope will be helpful to you. Until then, 